Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the second book of Kings. Naaman went down and plunged into the Jordan seven times at the word of Elisha, the man of God. His flesh became again like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean of his leprosy. Naaman returned with his whole retinue to the man of God. On his arrival, he stood before Elisha and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. Elisha replied, As the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not take it. And despite Naaman's urging, he still refused. Naaman said, If you will not accept, please let me, your servant, have two mule loads of earth, for I will no longer offer holocaust or sacrifice to any other god except to the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord has revealed to the nations His saving power. The Lord has revealed to the nations His saving power. Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for Him, His holy arm. The Lord Lord has has revealed revealed to to the the nations His saving power. The Lord has made His salvation known. In the sight of the nations He has revealed His justice. He has remembered His kindness and His faithfulness. Toward the house of Israel. The Lord Lord has revealed revealed to the nations his saving power. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Break into song, sing praise. The Lord has revealed to to the the nations his saving power. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead a descendant of David. Such is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of chains like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I bear with everything for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, together with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we persevere, we shall also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The word of the Lord. 
lasts forever. What is this word that is living? He has brought us to his Son, Jesus Christ. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing that he had been healed, returned glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we are called to proclaim Christ to the nations. The first reading, the psalm, the gospel, reminds us that God's word is meant for the whole world. He started out according to his plan, giving the word, giving the gospel to the Israelites, the people he had formed as his own. But then he opened up that gospel to all the world. Naaman the Syrian acknowledges the true God after the, the, the Lord's prophet Elisha brought him healing. And Jesus cleanses the lepers. And again, it's uh, someone from outside the chosen people of God, a Samaritan, who not only is healed, but comes back to glorify God. Friends, Elisha didn't heal Naaman just in order to do a good deed. Jesus didn't heal the Samaritan leper just out of concern for being a nice guy or helping someone who was sick. It's about the proclamation of the gospel. It's about the announcement of eternal salvation. It's vertical, not just horizontal. Oh, I see a person in need, I'm going to help them. Yes, that's about being a good person. But our religion is more than about being a good person. It's about being saved and becoming part of the new covenant in the blood of Christ. It is the gospel, as Paul is proclaiming in today's second reading, that is Jesus Christ. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, such is my gospel. 
these two foreigners highlighted by the first reading in the gospel come to the Lord. Naaman says, I'm not going to sacrifice to any other god. There were lots of false gods. In fact, when God gave his people the promised land, he warned them, don't mingle with the nations. In other words, don't worship their gods and goddesses. They're all false. Worship the true God. You know more about the true God than the other nations do because I have entered into covenant with you. I have given you my revelation, my prophets, my commandments. You know better. Don't worship the false gods. Worship me. And so Naaman came to the, to the true God. And this Samaritan leper, he was glorifying God. And he came to Jesus, knelt at his feet. And Jesus said, you have faith now. Your faith has saved you. Well, friends, the church does a lot of good. Look at our hospital systems, our educational systems. It's been happening for centuries, for millennia. We've been serving the needs of others. Why? Well, that's carrying out, continuing in our midst the very mission of Jesus. Not just remembering or imitating that mission, by the way. Continuing it. It is Jesus himself ministering to the sick, educating the youth, admonishing sinners and bringing people to grace. It is Jesus doing these things. But the good works of the church are not simply for the sake of doing good. We are to be proclaiming the gospel, and the gospel has a name, Jesus Christ. Not Mohammed, not Buddha, not Moses, although we build on the foundation of the Old Testament. It's Jesus Christ, not Confucius, not any other kind of leader, no matter how revered by how many people, no matter how wise. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you and I are called to convert the world to Christ. That needs to be the passion burning in our hearts. Because think of it this way. Not only is it contrary to the explicit command of Jesus, make disciples of all the nations, for us to think that, ah, oh, we don't really have to bring other people to believe in Christ. Not only is it contrary to his explicit command, but isn't it pretty self-centered to, on the one hand, firmly believe that we have the revelation here of the way to salvation and not want to tell others about it, that we possess the truth about God. Oh, we know the Father in Jesus Christ. And we don't want to run and tell others that we want to bask in the sunlight of this marvelous mystery of salvation and we don't care that other people are in the dark. That we want to take hold of the means of grace. We want to take hold of the divine life preserver that God has given us to save us from the fires of hell. And we don't want to toss some of those life preservers to other people to keep them from the fires of hell. See, something is wrong here. Either we really don't believe it in the first place, or we have been deceived by a terrible self-centeredness that makes us, on the one, I mean, think about it, it's hard to, it's hard to fathom. On the one hand, wow, I've, I've found the pearl of great price. I've found this treasure of you. This is eternal life. 
This is the forgiveness of sins. This is the solution to death. This is the antidote to death. I have found eternal life, and his name is Jesus Christ. Can we, is it conceivable that we really believe that? And we don't want to proclaim it to everybody that we can? Don't let anybody fool you, even if they dress like me. The call that we as disciples and as a church have is to bring others to acknowledge the name of Jesus Christ. Not simply to do good to others. Yes, we feed the poor, we tend to the sick, we educate the young, but we do these various ministries and missions of the church as missions of Jesus and as part of proclaiming the gospel. Others can do it too who don't believe in the gospel. There's a lot of good people who are non-believers. No, we are believers and we want others to believe. The truth of the gospel is objective. You know, one of the saddest conversations that I ever had in my life was when I was, when I was still a high school student. It was towards the end of my, it was my last, last year of high school. I think it was pretty close to graduation time. And uh, one of our teachers had a few of us who were in the advanced placement classes over to her home for a, a, a barbecue. It was a nice uh, gathering. And somehow at some point in the, I was in public school, mind you. So these were public school students in New York. And at one point in the conversation, religion came up. And I was the only one in the group who acknowledged that there is something objective about our religious beliefs. When we say Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, he's coming back again, there is eternal life that he gives us, that he is the way to the Father, that there's an objective truth to this. That him being raised from the dead means that it's not true to say that he didn't. That him giving us eternal life means it's not true to say that there isn't life beyond the grave. The two things can't be true at the same time that contradict each other. It is true, it is real. It is objective, and these uh, fellow students of mine are sitting around there thinking that, saying that, oh, well, religion, you know, it's just, kind of, you know, a matter of subjective personal belief. It has nothing to do with what's really out there. Well, yes, it does. Jesus Christ is real. He's as real as you and I are. His salvation is real, and his e resurrection is real, and his eternal life is real. And brothers and sisters, we have to proclaim it, and we have to persuade others of it. And the best way to persuade others of it is to proclaim it, and that's in words, not just in deeds. Remember, Paul says, again, he says, remember Jesus Christ. This is my gospel. He says it in words, but then to allow people to see that the words that we're saying are words we believe and here's the other thing they have to see in us, that those words and faith in those words transform us. They need to see in us the fruits of the Spirit. 
They need to see our love, our patience, our generosity, our kindness, our joy, our peace, our faith, our courage. They need to see that we have been set free from sin. Not that we aren't continually sinners and continually weak, but that we set we are set free from the bondage. We are set free from the attachment to sin. And that we are constantly striving for more holiness. Now, that's including suffering. And that's why Paul goes on to say right away, I am suffering for this gospel, even to the point of chains like a criminal. And boy, is that true today. There is more persecution today of Christians than there was in the early church. We think about the days in the early church. We think about the Colosseum. We think about Christians being thrown to the lions. We think about evil emperors rounding them up. Even Paul, what did he do before he was converted? He was rounding up Christians to get them killed. But there's no persecution like there is today. There was no persecution in history, not at that time, not at any time. And we see it right here now in the United States where sadly, and we think again about the Roman Empire. Oh, yeah, the emperor was rounding up Christians. Well, it's scary to say and it's sad to say, but the current administration of the government in the United States of America at the federal level is starting to do the same thing. Eva Edel, EDL. Eva is a woman I've known for many years, for decades. Met her in the 1990s in, in pro-life activism. We've prayed at abortion facilities in various states. Eva is now 87. She spent time in a death camp. She suffered under the Nazi regime. And in that camp from which she was rescued, she found Jesus. And she proclaims him boldly and has dedicated herself to saving his children in the womb. Cal Zastro, a Christian man who, yes, it's a, <laughs> somebody, I can see the comments coming in. It's not, a, it's not an administration, it's a regime. It's a tyranny, is what it is. Cal Zastro is a Christian man who proclaims revival all across the nation. I've stood with him on the streets proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. What do uh, Chet Gallagher, Chet Gallagher was a police officer. And he was asked one day as part of his job to arrest peaceful Christians who were sitting in front of the doors of a killing center where abortions were happening. And Chet was convicted in spirit and in conscience when he as a uniformed police officer went there to do his job and instead of pulling those Christians away from the door so that babies could be killed, Chet Gallagher, the police officer, turned around and sat down with them to block the door so that babies would not be killed. Why do I mention these three people that I have known for decades? Because Chet Gallagher... And Cal's Astro and Eva Edel, just the other day, were raided by Biden's FBI. 
These are peaceful Christians. I don't know anybody in this world more God-fearing, Christ-loving, and peace-loving than these people that I just mentioned. And I know many others like them. They were rounded up by the FBI of the United States of America because they tried to stop peacefully the killing of babies. Remember Jesus Christ, such is my gospel, for which, listen to Paul, for which I am suffering even to the point of chains like a criminal. Eva Edel, Chet Gallagher, Cal's Astro, they're not criminals. They're not criminals, brothers and sisters. And they're being treated by criminals by the FBI and the Department of Justice. And they're not the only ones. There were eight others with them. And then there was, prior to that, a couple of weeks ago, Mark Houck from Philadelphia, same kind of thing happened to him. Seven in the morning, FBI shows up at his door with guns drawn. These are not criminals. These are not violent people. And yet, did the FBI or the DOJ do a single thing? Did they make a single arrest of anybody who torched and firebombed pro-life offices or vandalized pro-life pregnancy centers in these recent months since the leak of the Dobbs decision? No, not a single arrest. Not a single FBI raid on anybody's house. Oh, for goodness sake. Brothers and sisters, the truth continues. We who believe in the gospel must be ready to suffer for it and equally ready to proclaim it in clear words. Jesus Christ is the gospel. Let us proclaim him. Let's not listen to anybody who tries to tell us, oh no, it's not the mission of the church to convert people to Christ. It most certainly is. And it's the explicit command of Jesus Christ. Make disciples of all the nations. Let's do it. Let's recommit ourselves to it today. Let's ask the Lord to show us, because He will, show us the different ways that we can reach others with the gospel in all peace, in all love, in all joy, and in all conviction that there is only one Lord, there is only one Savior, there is one author of life and conqueror of death. It's not some kind of vague spirit of let's do good to all humanity. He has a name, and He told us His name. And His name must be on our lips as much as it is in our hearts. And His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.